0: It is that time. Welcome to the Hope Radio Podcast stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis, happy to be your humble host and joining me, as always, every day in life, by my side. My co-hostess with the mostest, her name is...
1: Just Jen.
0: And you're along with us as we keep this hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! We got three interviews today. We're excited. We're filled with energy. We are ready to go.
1: Let's do it then.
0: (laughs) Was that that enough energy for you? Yeah. Was that exciting? Yeah, it was very exciting. I feel excited i feel hope-filled
1: yeah i do too i have lots of food ready to eat
0: Ooh, that's hope-filling for you when you got snacks and food yes you you gotta make sure you get your sustenance wouldn't want (laughs) you to wither wouldn't want you to fade no you know because you've already been up for like 15 hours already and it's only (laughs) like nine o'clock in the morning
1: i know but i'm (laughs) gonna have the same amount of energy as the first as the third
0: well, look at you, and you're wearing a shirt that says blessed. Yes, you are. A
1: blessed hot mess.
0: <laughs> Turned into a blessed hot mess edge. That's true. Right? Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. Well, how you feeling overall?
1: I'm good. It's Monday, so it's start of a new week. It is. Feels good.
0: Start of a new week, start of a new... Just mindset, mm-hmm. you know, like every once in a while, you just got to shake off all of the unnecessary and just like get re-energized, refocused and, and, uh, you know, yeah. move forward. Yeah. March on.
1: March on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Seize the day.
1: Let's do that.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'm excited about our interview today. Okay. We're going to be interviewing somebody, just a little teaser here for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Survived cancer twice.
1: Okay.
0: I You know, always those stories, I'm like, that seems like a double help and a bad, but she's turned yeah. it into good, turned it into creating a nonprofit to assist and help others going through uh, cancer treatment. So I'm excited to, to talk with her. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you who, all about her in just a second. Mary Jenkins is her name, but uh, we're going to talk about her organization and her life story and uh, should be a really, really inspiring, hopefully, hope-filling, lifting up story.
1: I like those stories.
0: All right. Well, let's get into a little bit of funny because okay. it's, you know, hope is fueled with funny <laughs> or funny can fuel hope. If you're laughing, you're not crying. So that's hope filling to me.
1: That is true. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. maybe All right. That's why I don't cry because I'm always laughing. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why. It's true.
0: Maybe it's maybe it's there's a secret here.
1: I don't have time to cry.
0: Maybe we've unleashed and unlocked the secret to life happiness. Yes. Just laugh.
1: Laugh more.
0: Laugh more. Don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You want me to go first or you want to go first?
1: I think you should go first.
0: Uh, All right. Here's my joke. You ready? I'm ready. What washes up on really small beaches?
1: What washes off on
0: really small beaches? No. What washes up? On re- let's wash the wave washes oh. up. What washes up on really small beaches?
1: Really small shells?
0: No, microwaves.
1: <laughs> That's bad. Okay. I don't want to be on that beach. You don't want to be on that beach? No.
0: What? You don't want to be microwaved?
1: I don't want. To Remember be being on a- as a
0: kid when microwaves like first came out, and you had like horrendous stories of people using them the wrong way. How? Well, one in particular was a woman that I recall that she felt like she could dry her dog in a microwave. What? It didn't work out well.
1: No way. Yeah,
0: I remember that as a kid.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: That's not good. That's not hope-filling. Tell your joke.
1: <laughs> okay, you ready? <laughs> that, that
0: was sad. That was a moment of sadness yeah, in the midst was of the hope.
1: very sad.
0: Well, let's not think about it. Okay. We're, we're moving on to the joke.
1: Okay, are you All ready? Right. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, what did the pig say
0: when, oink, s- oink.
1: No, when somebody told him he was making cupcakes all wrong?
0: What did the pig say when somebody told him he was making cupcakes all wrong? Well, number one, I applaud the pig for being able to make cupcakes. And I'm not quite sure what he would say other than oink oink. So what did he say?
1: Listen, I've been baking all my life. <laughs>
0: that actually is a good one I like that one a lot
1: I love bacon and cupcakes
0: you love bacon and cupcakes yeah
1: you know what's a really good cupcake what like maple frosting with a vanilla cupcake with bacon oh stop it Oh, yeah. Stop
0: it right now.
1: Sounds good, huh?
0: It does really sound bacon good. Bacon donuts. And, too. and I'm hungry right now. So, like, it just, you, you immediately made me salivate. My my mouth started watering.
1: Bacon donuts, bacon. Everything. Jennifer, stop. Yeah. You know what's even better is what? Can- candied bacon. Jennifer. Yeah, it's really good.
0: What, dipped in chocolate, I'm assuming?
1: Oh, you can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't judge. You can do whatever you want uh, with your bacon.
0: However, you want to consume your bacon, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited because I want to share with you that we've got an awesome guest. Mary Jenkins is coming on. She is the founder and director of thecoccares.org. And it's an organization that champions uh, basically people who are fighting for their life via cancer treatment, most specifically, usually breast cancer. But the organization helps people pay for their everyday average expenses, utility bills, rent, etc. And Mary herself realized there was a gap, that there wasn't any resources for that Mm -hmm. when she went through her own battle with cancer. So we're going to hear about her story. We're going to hear about what she went through. But more importantly, we're going to hear what she did to make sure that the problem that she went through wasn't going to be experienced by somebody else if she could if she could help it so i'm i'm excited to talk with her mary jenkins
1: yeah let's let's shall we call her. her let's do it let's
0: call her and get her on the line okay i'm excited all right i've got mary jenkins on the line mary welcome to hope radio podcast how are you today
2: I am doing fantastic. I'm excited about being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Oh, we love that enthusiasm. We're excited as well. We were talking in the pre-show and I, and I think that we're simpatico here. We are both dealers of (laughs) hope and that is so encouraging to have another hope dealer on the line with us.
1: Yep. Yes, hope dealers (laughs) rock.
0: (laughs) Well, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Where do you live? What do you do? And uh, then we'll kind of jump into some of your story.
2: All right. Well, my name is Mary Jenkins, and I currently live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I've been here since 1995. (laughs) I had no idea that this was going to be my long term home, but I love it. Um, I like to travel. And little did I know that being diagnosed with uh, stage three, almost stage four breast cancer was going to change my entire life.
0: Yeah, literally. I mean, and, and so, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about that because I read about your story online and I read about the fact that you have actually been a two-time breast cancer survivor. So why don't you take us back to you know, when did you get the diagnosis? Um, did, did you have any idea that this was at all possible for you? So take us back to when all of this occurred and, and what was going on in your life at the time.
2: Oh, I can tell you, um, I had I was in ministry school and I was studying the, the, the charismatic movement general and I had did the study of Smith Wigglesworth. And I had said, man, his kind of faith... I want to have faith like that one day. And I had no idea that in order to get that kind of faith, my life was going to have to be on the line. And so while I was in ministry school one night, my youngest son, um, Gary and I, we were wrestling. And he accidentally elbowed me in the chest. And when he did it, it hurt. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I got to pray. So now I, I need to be healed. And it he just sung. It was like a singing feeling. And that lasted for a couple of days. And then I said I needed to go to the emergency room because the the pain just wasn't right. And so I went to the emergency room and the doctors checked and they said they thought they felt something. So in the set, like they thought they felt something hard in the center of my right breast. Uh, I was 38 years old, so I had not begun having mammograms yet. And so they recommended that in January of 2006, that I go and have a mammogram done. And so on January the 10th, I went in and I had the mammogram done. And I noticed that I was sitting in the room longer than usual. Cause like after you get a test done, they usually come in and give you the results and then they tell you to get dressed. But for me, I was just there longer than what I thought I would be. And so the nurse came in and said that they thought they did see something on the film. And they wanted to do an ultrasound. And when they did the ultrasound, it, they found it was um, almost five centimeters. And it was literally absolutely in the center of my breath. So if you can envision like a softball and how the center of the softball is hard, but you don't feel that hard part because of the softball yeah that's what was going on with my breath
0: so there was no, there was and no so indication on your side you you had never yourself felt anything it was not something that nope. was obvious to you and so you, this this is out of left field literally using the baseball analogy it's yeah. like you know <laughs> you had no idea that this freight train was heading your direction
2: none I didn't know anyone that had been diagnosed no one in my family had been diagnosed nothing it's like all of a sudden out of nowhere, the C word, we were talking about the C word. And it was like, Oh my goodness, you know, this 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 could be real. And so I ended up having a a I had to get a biopsy done the same day. And when the when the person that did the biopsy got the sample and put it in the fluid that they put it in the solution, he looked at me and he said, Ma'am, I can tell you now it is cancer. We just don't know how bad. And I was like, cancer, for real? For real? Okay. And I left and I started thinking, okay, Job was sick so long that his flesh fell from his bones. Okay. The scriptures say that I am healed because of the stripes that Jesus took. Okay. I can do all things. So I started running through the word of God that was in me to give me some strength. Otherwise I would have fallen apart. And
0: those promises of training. God, that word that you just rested on that. So immediately you went to scripture and your faith to deal with the news that you had cancer.
2: Well, the, the news that it was that the results were going to come back saying, yes, cancer. Mm-hmm. So this was the person that just literally took the sample. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, you know, I can tell you it's going to be cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, OK, So that was January the 10th. And it, the, the crazy thing about it is when my results came mm-hmm. it was Friday the 13th. Jeez. And the night before I had had this dream and in the dream I was on a battlefield, like the, a, a wild, wild West. And I had my hands positioned as if I had my fingers on my, on the, on the guns, And I heard the sound of the wild, wild West. woo <laughs> that
0: whistle, that Clint Eastwood whistle, you know, from like the good, the bad and the (laughs) ugly or something like that.
2: Exactly. And I woke up and I said, do not tell me that I'm going to get a call at high noon saying that I'm about to battle cancer. That was my immediate thought. And sure enough, the next day was Friday the 13th. And I was like, really, (laughs) you know, does it have to be more symbolic and dramatic (laughs) and, when my phone rang at 11.59, and it was the doctor saying, "Miss Jenkins, I am calling because I have your test results. And I'm sorry to say, you have invasive ductal carcinoma, triple negative, stage three, almost stage four. And we need to make, make plans immediately or else they can, this can become terminal. Mm. And when he said it, I heard it. But then I started to chuckle, like, really? Really, I'm about to go down this journey? Really? Really, God? Really? And I didn't have a sense of, oh, my God, I'm going to die. It was literally, okay, God, if Job can do it, I can do it. And on the other side, he got double. I don't know what that's going to look like, but okay. And that became my focus. And so as I would go to the doctor's appointment and have the conversations, and have to have the conversation with my family, you know, people were crying. And I was like, I need you to understand that Romans 8, 28 is real. All things really do work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I don't know what it's going to mean, but I know there's got to be something good that has to come out of me being diagnosed. And at the time, I still didn't know that it was going to be the organization. I just was having hope that, you know, my hope and my trust and everything was in God. i lo- and that's I lo- what sustained me.
0: I love how you immediately pivoted to your faith mm-hmm. and you and you rested in that. And I can understand the disbelief because I I think I you know in, the, in in a similar situation I want to believe that I would have responded the same way. Like really? Like I'm really this is yeah. really what you're going to hand over to me with with everything I've been through in my life. Now I'm going to have to deal with this. Like really? Yeah. You know, like I I could I could sense that. I could see that. And and it wasn't as though I imagine that what you were feeling was you you were getting ready for battle. You knew that this was going to be a fight, that this was going to be effort, that this is going to be hard. Yeah, exactly. And and
2: that's why, you know, God gave, God allowed me to have this vision in the form of a dream mm -hmm. before so that I would understand that I was about to fight. I was about to fight a fight and it was going to be a fight of my life. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And what was that going to mean? That was going to mean that I was going to walk safe, talk safe, act safe, breathe safe, speak safe in the, you know, whose report was I going to believe regardless of what the doctor said. And that was that was the fight that I that I got to fight.
0: Wow. That, that in and of itself is, is hope instilling. It's, it's, you are a hope dealer with those words, just in the way that you responded and how you acted. Now, what was your network like? I mean, at the time, uh, did you have, what kind of resources? You're a single mom, were you married? What, you know, what was, do you have family close, so, et cetera?
2: Uh, so I am a widow. Um, my husband died when I was 19. Uh, he was 23 and he was in the army. And so, um, he had a heart attack at work and when he died, they, you know, I, I, so I, I moved with, it was just me and my kids. And so like the time had passed and I had my church family. So I was a member of a, of a big church and, you know, I loved people. I was involved with networking with, with people. It was important of having relationships and, you know, shedding the love of God abroad and just engaging with people and, just trying to be a light in whatever was going on. So I had a strong network of people that even the network that I had wasn't prepared for the journey that we were about to go on because several of them were emotional. Like people would call me and say, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God heals you. And I had to stop them because I was like, the word of God says that by his stripes I am healed which means that I was healed and I is healed. Therefore, he's already heard my prayer. So now we get to praise him through this all. And that was hard for some people at the beginning because they were like, what? Because people are used to, (laughs) I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep praying. I'm like, God heard us. You know, think about If he's really our father, like how many times do we have, as kids, how many times do we ask our natural parents, Can can we have something? Can we have something? Can we have something? Can we have something? And if we keep doing that, they're going to get upset in the natural. And so I, you know, I attributed that to my relationship with God. I was like, well, he's heard me. So now I'm going to just go ahead and keep going through this. And I'm going to trust Him. and I'm going to stand on the word of God. And I'm just, I know he's going to be a provider. I just know it. And so as time passed and then I started chemo, my hair fell out. Then I was trying to go to work, but I was sick and I was tired and I was throwing up and it was just so hard for me to go. You know, my employer felt that I needed to focus on recovering. I was a single parent, and he, you know, he wanted me to, you know, get better. And so I left employment, not thinking that what was I going to do when I still had the rent and the electric and the gas and the car note and the car insurance and the bill and all the stuff to pay. Wasn't thinking about any of that, and so. When, when it became a revelation that I was going to need help paying the bills, I went to the Coleman Foundation, the Susan G. Komen Foundation, because I figure it's breast cancer. Mm-hmm. You go to the breast people, the Race for the Cure people, mm-hmm. the Pink Ribbon people. You go to those people. And so when I went to them and I asked for help and they explained that they don't use the millions of dollars that they raise to, to help in that way, I was in shock. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so, where does a person go to? And then they told me the American Cancer Society, and I went to them and they don't do it. And I was like, Well, what do you do? Because I'm at risk of becoming, you know, getting evicted from my apartment and having my car repossessed. And I have kids, and what am I supposed to do? And so I kept looking and I couldn't find anyone that offered the help that I needed. I applied for welfare who <clears throat> I get emotional when I talk about it. I applied for welfare and was turned down. And I just knew I was going to lose everything. And so I went to my church and I was in the sanctuary having a conversation with God saying, you know, I'm trusting you and I'm about to lose this and my kids are suffering and it's not fair. And how come and why come? And I thought you said it's having that conversation and my pastor overheard me. And He came in, MJ, what's going on? So I explained the situation, and that's when my pastor said, well, you know, you've been a faithful member, and we love you, you're a tither, and you bring so much happiness to others. How about we let the church take care of you? And I asked, what did he mean? And my church agreed to pay my bills for the rest of the time that I was in treatment. And that was an incredible blessing. But at the same time, I thought, what about everybody else? I know I'm not the only breast cancer patient that's in this situation. Somebody has to do something to help people know where money does go and where money's not going. Someone has to do something to help the people. And my pastor looked at me and said, yeah, Mary, somebody does have to do something, Mary. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so I I, I want to pause right there because I want I want to go back over a couple different things that you you had said. Number one, I think Jen and I both are teary eyed, emotional yes. just 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 hearing you describe the circumstance, and I could totally understand you. Going to church, thinking you're by yourself, you know, mm-hmm. really crying out to him like like that that one-on-one relationship that he desires from us, that he that he wants from us. And here you are, you're just laying it on the line. I'm upset. Why this and why that? And you know the cancer is one thing, but you know, here my kids are suffering. I might lose my house. And and you're like, like, what's the solution? And in that moment, you're pastor overhears. In that yeah. moment, he delivers, you know, he comes around the corner, the pastor hears this, hears this, you know, lamenting, and then, and then offers up this solution. And it's just like God in the moment of complete meltdown, in the moment of despair to just go, child, I got you. I, I got you. You know, here, here it is, yeah. you know, just, just at that moment that we feel like we're going to break. He's like, nope, nope. Hey, I'm, I'll carry you. I got gotcha. you." And then to have Mm -hmm. your pastor come back around and go, you know what? You're right. You know, what I love about you is that you had the presence of mind, not only in that moment, your, your, your financial worries seem to be allayed, but in that moment, you completely redirect outside of that and go, you know what? Yeah, there, there is a cause. There is a need. What about other people? This is great for me, but what about other people? You know, it's like. It I, I just love that about you that you pivoted that way and that you had the presence of mind even in the deepest darkest point of your own situation, and and lamenting that to then recognize the need of others and so that that that's inspiring that's hope filling to to us to hear that
2: yeah yeah I mean it was it was something because even my pastor was like well you know I don't know everybody else I, I know you <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I get it but. I just know I'm not the only one. It yeah. I could not believe that out of the millions of dollars that are raised in the world of cancer, there wasn't some group out there that was raising money to help people pay the bills they said they needed help paying. Yeah, like there were like there were organizations out there that offered a gas card. Okay, but if my car gets repossessed, what am I going to do with
1: the gas card? <laughs>
0: True. You know? <laughs> I guess, I guess for Jen, are you surprised about that too? Like, I I just feel yeah. like there'd be more I just, resources, I just but
1: assumed that that's what they do is they help you out. But
0: yeah, I, you know,
1: kind of like she did as well. And they're like, no, we don't work that way. It's surprising. Actually. Yeah. We're, we're
0: funding research or we're funding this or we're yeah. funding treatments, et cetera. But you know, like the everyday life expenses, especially if you're, if you're a single mom, you know, like a widowed single mom, right. where you were the one as the sole provider, like how do you, focus on recovery and in mm-hmm. your health, which is the primary focus. And yet you still have all of these other worries that kind of come in too. And so
1: yeah, I'm crazy. surprised by that. Yeah, and, me too.
2: You know, and just, you know, and when I say that, like there were organizations that would offer $500 once in your lifetime. And it was like, okay, $500. My rent was 1750. <sighs> $17. Oh geez. So $500 wasn't even half my rent. So when you add, you know, electric and gas, like, wait a minute. And so they had, like, you had to be a certain income, or you had to have a certain type of cancer, or you had to live in a certain area. There was all these, like, these guidelines or these requirements, and I just, like, I this didn't make sense to me. I'm battling cancer, and they're getting ready to cut my lights off. And I'm trying to get help and I don't know what to do. And I'm reaching out to the places that you would think could help me. And you're telling me that you'll give my electric bill $400 and you're telling me you'll give me 150. What about the other 250 that I need? What am I going to do? Because the electric companies doesn't care that you're giving me 150. They care that the bill's 400 and they want 400.
0: Yeah. See God. God told you you were going to be in a gunfight. He just didn't tell you that you're going to be in a gunfight with like five other gunmen. You know, one of them was cancer. One of them was your utility bills, your car payments. Your, you know, the system and you know resources in general. Like you were, you had to you had to knuckle down and go. Really, okay. So not only you were trying to focus on getting well, but you have all of this other stress that's on top of that.
2: Right. And then I remember, like I remember one day when my oldest son, Edwin, he came home and he found me laying in the bathroom on the floor. And I was so weak and I couldn't get up. And it broke him down so much. So because he's like, there's nobody that could get this stress off my mom. And, you know, cause I, he knew that, it was time for rent to be due and it was time for the electric and the gas and the cable and the cell phone. And, you know, just, he knew, and he knew that that stress on top of being single parent, on top of battling cancer, on top of not working, on top of taking care of three kids, that it was, it all had taken a toll on me. And he was concerned that his mom was going to die. And that was real. And so my son, fortunately, big guy, football, you know, football player, mm-hmm. I was, I had lost enough weight where he could pick me up and put me in the bed. So, yeah, wow,
0: a time. Wow. I mean, that, you just, you just gave us a, a pretty incredible visual. Yeah. You know, Jen and I have talked about this before, you know, God won't give you anything that, that will break you. He can, he doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. And Jen's favorite phrase is, I wish you didn't think I was so damn strong <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, so how did you I'm maintain your, your faith <laughs> yeah. in that, in that season, in that period? Like, how did you, how did you make it through the darkest days?
2: I have, um, I created a list called my power scriptures and my power scriptures were, were all my, 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 I went, I, I went through the word and got 40 scriptures. Cause so I was like, okay, 40 days and 40 nights, you know? So there was, num- there was something about the number 40, you know, of Noah, and the different. 40 was just the number. And so I got 40 scriptures, and they were my power scriptures, my go-to scriptures. So when, when I didn't, when my body was weak, you know, greater is he that's in me than me that's in the world. You know, and then the joy of the Lord is my strength. So it was like the Lord being happy was my strength. So the way in which I was handling this was making him happy and it was making me strong as well as his, the Lord's happiness was me being strong. So I got revelation with each scripture so much deeper that it kept me going. And I had 40 of them.
0: Have you, so now with COC cares, I want to talk a little bit about uh, that. So you, out of all of this and, and, We're not done yet because I still, there's more to your story, but I'm just curious if you've used the 40, the 40 power scriptures, if you've printed that out and used that for the benefit of others that you guys are trying to help with COC cares.
2: Actually, (laughs) um, I am finalizing a book that is based off of those 40 power scriptures and it is called Destined to Overcome.
0: Ooh, I like that? that.
1: I love
2: Because one of the scriptures that the Lord had given me was Revelation 12, 11, that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm. And so the enemy of cancer for me was overcome because of the blood of the lamb and the fact that I was telling everybody that would listen my story <laughs> of where, you know, I was struggling, needed help, paying bills, couldn't find it, so I created it. And I need help. And people were starting to donate and donate. And it just, I was overcoming the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. And so one day I'm like, ah, so there was a gentleman that I knew that was, got diagnosed for the third time. And he called me and he said he was unsure if he was going to be able to make it this time. And he reached and he said, I'm reaching out to you because I need my faith champion. And I need your help and I said to him don't worry because you are destined to overcome. And I knew then. I was like the power of scriptures get to be in a book so that other people can overcome life's obstacles not just cancer but whatever they're dealing with. Yeah. The word of God is powerful enough to deal with Anything, whether it's you know, emotional issues, financial issues, spiritual issues, whatever it is.
0: A pandemic God is a hurricane, fires.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Whatever so, else twenty twenty has for us this year.
2: Exactly. 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 So, so I, I I'm love... in the final stages of this book. Hopefully hopeful my my original plan was to have it out by the end of July. I didn't work. Because, um, unfortunately, on this journey, my brother had to have his leg amputated um, because of diabetes. And he was trying to help someone, stepped on a, on a nail and didn't realize it. And it got super infected and multiple infected. And so he is now a newly amputee. And then in mid-June, my father had a massive stroke.
0: Wow, Mary. So, you you've you've had your fair share of adversity from the loss of your husband to your your brother's amputation to the stroke of your father. Um yet you've persevered through all of that and I think it's probably because of those scriptures that faith that you have destined to overcome. And so you you so let's finish the story. You you clearly recovered of the the first incidence of cancer, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And and then So at what point after the recovery, did you go, okay, I need to create an organization. I need to address the needs. Uh, And then I don't want to miss out on the uh, fact that you actually had cancer again. So let's, I I want to make sure we intertwine that into the story as well.
2: Well, you have to understand, I was still in treatment while creating the organization. Okay. I didn't, I was, so you didn't, like, you didn't wait at
0: all. Like as soon as it, as soon as it hit you, as soon as you felt like God was calling you to do this, like you, 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 you were doing it in treatment, assuming that you were going to get well and you're going to be a champion for others.
2: You know, I didn't even think about what was going to happen to me. All I knew is that my pastor was right. Somebody needed to be the voice of the, of the breast cancer patients and I was going to be her. And Someone needed to tell the story, so I was going to tell the story. And so I just started telling the story. And as I would let people know, people were like, I had no idea, Mary. Would it be okay if I give you some money? And I was like, sure, you can give me some money. My church is paying my bills, so I'll find somebody else to give it to. And they were like, okay. And then when I would go to my chemo treatment, I knew, I absolutely knew this is what I was supposed to do because of what happened on my chemo treatment number three there was as i was finishing up i happened to notice across the room there was a lady who was hooked up to the to the iv and her husband was knelt down beside her and he was crying and it just looked odd and so when they disconnected me i got up and went over you know hi my name is mary jenkins uh, can, are you okay and the gentleman explained that when his wife did chemo, afterwards, she always got sick. And what they would do was get a hotel room, stay overnight, and then go home because they lived in Lima, Ohio. And I said, I understand what's wrong. And he looked up at me and he said that they had asked for a complimentary hotel room at different places they'd stayed. And none of them would give them a room. And so he was forced to tell his wife that they would have to sleep in the car. And when he told me that, I looked at him and I was like, you know what, you are going to be okay. And I said, can I give you a hug? And he said, sure. And I gave him a hug. I gave his wife a hug. And then I reached into my bag and I pulled out a wad of money. I have no idea how much it was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I gave it to him and said, God bless you and walked away. And they were like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And as I walked away, listening to them, Like in utter joy, I said, you know what, God, I could do this for the rest of my life. I sure can. (laughs) I don't even know how, but I sure can.
1: (laughs) Love it. Such a great feeling.
2: Yes. And that is what, so I was, when I was on a mission, I'm like, I'm telling everybody and I'm going to ask everybody if they will make a donation, if they'll support what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so for 14 years now, I have been asking people all across the country, just to make a donation so that I can use the money to help people that are battling cancer pay their bills while they go through treatment. And so initially, we were just working with breast cancer patients. So when we were four months old, one of the hospitals in town referred a lady who needed $150 or her car was going to get repossessed. And this woman, I remember asking her what type of breast cancer did she have? And she said she didn't have breast cancer, that she had cervical cancer. And I told her that we couldn't help her because she had the wrong type of cancer. Which sounds crazy. In that moment, I was like, what's the right type of cancer? There is no right type. I think I missed the mark. And she was like, no, it's okay. Everybody does stuff for breast cancer patients. I was like, no, no, no. I'm a breast cancer patient and I got a problem with that. So I'm... I'm the one person that can fix it. And she was like, oh, and I was like, trust me. And so I called my board and explained to them I never wanted to tell someone they had the wrong type of cancer ever again in life. And they said, Mary, do you understand what you're saying? I said, yep. And they said, okay. And so they all agreed. And we changed our mission to include all cancer patients. In my mind, I meant in Columbus, Ohio, (laughs) but we didn't say that. And so when they started coming from Cincinnati and Cleveland and Toledo, I said, well, I can't say they have to be from Columbus, so we'll figure out how to help them. And then they started coming from Georgia and Texas and New York and California, and I was like, well, um, I can't say they have to be from Ohio, so we'll figure out how to help them. And then they started coming from Canada, Mexico, and Germany, and England, and I was like, what in the world
0: Oh my I gosh, created? all over the world.
2: Yes. It's actually really exciting. Yeah. It it blows my Mm -hmm. mind. Whenever I really, really stop long enough to really think about it, because I'm like, wait a minute. I do this full time. I don't get paid from the organization. And I don't get paid because my husband died on active duty, so I have a pension. Um, When my mom died back in 2007, my father came to live with me. And he's retired military, so he's got a pension. And he's old, so he's got um old benefits. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, financially, my family's at an okay place where I don't need to get a paycheck from the organization. Mm. And so, you know, we have our overhead expenses for our building and, and you know the little stuff. But outside of that, if we have work that we need then we contract it, we we outsource it and we'll bring someone in to do the work, but we don't have any paid staff. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And people are like, how have you guys been able to do this and make such an impact? And like, because there are a bunch of people out there that understand what we do. And I have no problem asking people to make a donation. And they're like, wow, Mary.
0: You are inspiring on that level beyond what I think you recognize. That's just awesome. Because here, here you were just living your life, doing your thing being an ordinary human, raising some kids, going through the motions, dealing with some parents with some health issues, et cetera, and then all of a sudden you get rocked, like you just literally get rocked to your foundation. And uh, through that, something new is birthed, something that is something that you never would have considered, never even thought that was part of your destiny, and yet you've grabbed hold of it. And now it's expanded to the point where you've got people from other countries Calling uh, in need, etc. It's just I, I marvel at God's goodness to take something that was at a, a challenge for you and extract the maximum possible good that can come out of that from it. It's, I just I get goosebumps thinking about it.
2: Yes, and I I had a conversation with someone, and they were like, you know, Mary, if there was one thing that you, that just blows your mind out this whole thing. And I tell them, like, you know, for me, I literally can say that being diagnosed with breast cancer, stage three, almost stage four, was one of the best things that's happened to me since my salvation. And they're like, how can you say that? I said, because think of all of the people who I've been able to minister to, all of the people whose bills that I've been able to help, all of the people that I've been able to give them words of encouragement. The people that call when they've been told that they're facing terminal cancer and they're afraid, and then they have a conversation with me to understand that, oh, it's, you know, I understand the doctor said it's terminal and I'm sorry, but know that death is going to pass us all, every single one of us. And now you get, you know, if you know the Lord, you're about to be with the King of Kings, Mm -hmm. streets made of gold, body made whole, keys to your mansion living for all eternity wow and then they're like no one talks like that (laughs) 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 You
0: you know what i love about what you what you shared is that i feel like there's probably a lot of people right now whether they're going through cancer or not that they're dealing with their own version of that kind of life changing life altering life shattering kind of Challenge, and Jen and I have been through that ourselves, and so we we we've had our fair share of adversity, and we look back over it, and many times those moments of adversity and, and those challenges in the midst of it, it, it felt insurmountable. It felt like it's you couldn't carry the load, but once you got distance from it, you look back on it, and you you reach a point often where you recognize it as a blessing in disguise. And what you're what you're talking about to hear you say that to hear hear you say other than my salvation, getting. Almost stage four cancer was the best thing that happened to me because you found your purpose. You found yes. your purpose in life and you're doing your purpose. And sometimes I, I feel like God will allow events to shake us up shake us to our core we've got a pandemic we've got fires we've got hurricanes we've got civil unrest we've got all kinds of stuff I think he's shaken up the country right now he's literally going okay and it's a time of reflection it's a time of renewal it's a time of you know introspection and I think that that coming out of this sometimes the adversity didn't happen to you But it happened for you, for your future self, for your destiny, for your purpose. And that's what I hear you saying.
2: Yes, because for me, when I'm speaking to someone and the words that are coming out of my mouth are speaking life into someone, like speaking life, hope, joy, possibility. When I'm speaking those things, I become God's mouthpiece in the earth. You know, when I give a hug to that person, I become his arm Mm -hmm. in the earth. And I'm crazy enough to believe that God allows all the experiences that we experience as believers, that he allows them to happen to us because he already knows we can handle it. We may not realize we can handle it, but he knows we can handle it because he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. So he knows we can handle it. And if we, if we can just wrap our hands around and our mind around the fact that it's not about us, but it's about us being a reflection of him in the earth.
0: Well said, well said to that. So let's, let's talk about the organization. So it's COC Cares. And so how, how do people connect with you? How do they support the mission? You know, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, the organization and the cause.
2: So the organization, which originally was uh, Christians Overcoming Cancer, and then we did what the YMCA did. So Young Men's Christian Association became YMCA. So we became the COC, and we have a location called the CARE Center. And the CARE Center is not like a place where you just go and care for someone, like, oh, we care about you. But the word CARE is actually an acronym that stands for Creating amazing recovery experiences. So when people are battling cancer, they get to come to the care center and create an amazing recovery experience, whatever that that. looks like.
0: I love that.
2: So so what if they need emotional support, whether it's, you know, uh, emotional, mental, physical, financial, whatever, then this is the place where they can come to get it. And, What we've done is we made it possible for people to apply online. So they used to have to fill out the form and mail it to us. But now they can apply online and we can actually serve them uh, up close and personal kind of faster. So they can go to our website, which is www.thecoccares.org. And when they go to the website, they either want to support what we're doing or they want to receive support. So if there's someone that's battling cancer and it's in need of emotional support or financial assistance, they go after, well, they, they click the link for receive support. And if there's someone that says, you know what, I want to I support this organization with a donation, uh, whatever whatever way I can get involved and help and, you know, take their Five Alive challenge, whatever we can do, they go to the side of to give support. And then they follow the prompting. To where they can either apply online or they
0: can make donations online. I love that. So let me reiterate again. That's thecoccares.com dot com or dot org org.
2: Yeah.
0: org. Yep. All right. That's awesome. Um, so I don't. I don't want to be remiss. You. So you battled cancer. The organization was was built out of that experience, out of the need that you felt you didn't have, and you wanted to address. And then you, you did. You got cancer again.
2: Yes but there was something that happened in between there. <laughs> so six years after I started the organization, I had reconstruction surgery. So I figured after six years, you know, I, I I had put all my attention and energy into building the organization. So I figured I could have reconstruction surgery so that way I could, you know, have a breast back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I had the surgery. Unfortunately, the tissue failed. It results um the, the doctor, the doctor that, that did the surgery didn't necessarily do the best in the process and it almost killed me, put me in a nursing home for six months. Uh, and so, yeah, so in 2012 I had reconstruction surgery that failed and almost killed me. So I went in the hospital October 22nd of 2012 and came out March 31st, 2013. And I was fighting for my life the entire time because of this failed tram flap that almost killed me. So that was in the end of 2012, 2013. And then in 2015, I got diagnosed with cancer again. But this time it was on the left side and it was a completely different strain. So it wasn't metastatic cancer. It was actually a second cancer. Uh, and part of me, I, I, I believe, because what happened, it just, the timing of it was there was a woman that had called for financial assistance. She had just come out of her mission and she was needing help again and she was hoping to find some place that wouldn't tell her that they couldn't help her more than one time. And she found us. And so she was was upset that these cancer organizations out there will only help you one time in your life. And I told her that we didn't care. And she said, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I was like, oh, you know the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Let's have a different conversation. (laughs) <laughs> and so we started talking about, you know, hope for tomorrow and, you know, God's plan and God's purpose. And as I was ministering to her, she stops and she says, so how many times have you battled cancer? And I said, just once. And she said, oh, so you don't know what it's like to be in, in, to be in remission and have the cancer come back. And I said, no, I don't. And she said, okay, well, God bless you and hung up the phone. And when she hung up, I said, really, God? You're going to have people calling that are coming out of remission, battling cancer more than once. How am I supposed to minister to them from a position of strength if I don't know what it's like to battle cancer more than once? And seven days later, I was diagnosed with cancer a second time.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Yes.
2: So of course I was. When I got diagnosed, I was like, "Really, God? I couldn't. Have, there there was no book out there that I could have just read. When do I have to go through this again?" And so the second time, I did eight months of chemo, and um, I did eight months of treatment in three and a half months. It almost killed me. Um, caused me to have heart failure. Caused me to have problems walking. So I mean, I have difficulty walking to this day. But I'm like, it's okay because you know God's got me and. It just is what it is. I've got to do what I've got to do until the Lord calls me home. There's no room for my body to be breaking down. And then in the course of it all, I developed diabetic ketoacidosis, which is DKA, that they, they say people don't recover from, but I did. And I'm like, really? So whenever these, these tests and trials come up, I'm like, these things are coming to teach me a lesson or they're trying to stop God's plan that he has for me in the earth.
0: Yeah, yeah, and either yeah. Either
2: way, we've got to do what we've got to do to make it happen. You. And so that's just been you, my thing.
0: You are one strong yeah. woman. I will tell you what, with what you faced, what you've been through cancer the first time, almost dying because the reconstruction surgery, being in the hospital for six months, mm-hmm. cancer again, and coming out of that, and then the ketoacidosis, uh, you just. At some point, you got to go. God, I just wish you didn't think I was so dang strong.
1: <laughs> well, wow you weren't you weren't kidding with the Wild West. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And, and I wasn't kidding. She was at like the OK yeah, corral, you know, exactly. like she's one person against like a team of six gunfighters. That's
1: it, it's a lot. Yeah.
0: Well, Mary, I think you're doing incredible things.
2: Uh, where where Jen says, you know, sometimes she's like, uh, I know, God, that, you know, you think you won't give me more than I can bear. I have said, I think there's some angel up there that's steady pushing stuff to the side (laughs) saying she can fit some more right here.
1: (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely feel that. I'm always like, really? Like, why do you think I'm this strong? Like, oh, my gosh, like one thing after another, but he
0: made you. Yes, he
1: knows how strong I am.
0: (laughs) He (laughs) He made you. He made you for a purpose.
1: I might not know how strong I am, but I know that he knows. Yes, this is true. And and that's for me. On the other side of a
2: cancer battle, I tell people, I'm like, listen, you have no idea how strong you really are until you get on the other side. And you can look back and you'll be like, man, I can't believe that I made it through all that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. With that experience, as we close out the show, Mary, you've been a, a wonderful guest. I just want to, I want to ask, I want you to imagine that there's somebody that's listening. Maybe they are fighting an illness. Maybe they're, maybe they're fighting COVID. Maybe it is cancer. Maybe it's a financial concern. Maybe they you know, at the verge of losing a business or losing their house, you know, like what, what can you say to them to give them maybe a measure of hope right now in their season of trial and tribulation and despair?
2: My number one thing would say, be encouraged in spite of, because this too shall pass. It will. And on the other side, we won't we won't realize the blessing until we get to the other side.
0: You got to get through it to realize the fruit of it, you know, like extract that positive benefit, but you got to get on the other side of it to be able to do that and just uh, keep holding steady. Yes. Mary, we're very impressed with your organization. We're very impressed with your story. I want to reiterate again, if you're listening right now and you'd like to uh, go to thecoccares.org and uh, make a donation, we would very much encourage that and... uh encourage the support of your mission to continue to come alongside people fighting cancer. And and just thank you. You're just a just one of those exceptionally wonderful human beings out there that took her experiences and disadvantages and using it as a light and a lamp of hope for others. And that's what we're all about here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Well, Jen, I got to tell you, that was a thousand percent of awesomeness. That was that was incredible. Mary Jenkins' story was absolutely incredible. I continue to be amazed at what people can go through mm-hmm. and still be cheery, happy, excited about life, making a difference, world changers, I tell you, and she is one. What'd you think?
1: I thought she was absolutely amazing it was so great just to hear her story but what i really resonated with is that book she's writing i
0: know I'm
1: super excited the about the power that.
0: scriptures yes 40 power scriptures that she rested on that she said on that she she Read every right. single day, whenever she would experience adversity, whenever she was feeling less than or mm-hmm. woeful or whatever, she would rehearse. look to these, yeah, these power I scriptures. I think she
1: said it was going to be called Destined to Overcome.
0: Yes, that's exactly what the name of the book is. And uh, we made a promise to her, mm-hmm. bring her back on the show Yes, when the book launches, because we want to talk about that. And I think that that's, that's awesome. But you know what's funny is we asked her about the power scriptures after the show ended, and she said she's had that. I mean, that's been one of the most frequent requests. And she says, you know, really, there was 43,000 scriptures that you can right. rest on. So right. like each individual person, you know, could probably find their own or should find their own that speak to them and their situation. But I'm like, no, I want yours.
1: Yeah, I want hers too.
0: Every In in today's society, we want the Cliff Notes version. We want the simplified version. <laughs> we want to know, OK, Mary, if it worked for you, obviously, I want those power scriptures. Absolutely. But I think I think the important lesson that I drew from this, the the one thing that I really kind of settled in on is just this resting in him you know like I think she made it through even the the cancer treatments the chemo the sickness the not being able to work and then uh, on top of that like Mm -hmm. you're trying to focus on your health and all these bills coming in but she just rested in God's word and I think that's that's uplifting. That's God, that's the point God's I took away. your
1: business partner. I know. I love that.
0: I love that too. <laughs> that was actually the second one. Funny thing, um, y- you know, I think I'm going to use that moving forward. I think that that's going to be something that uh, I think about and, and pay forward mm-hmm. with others yeah. is this idea that you can be a business partner with God and whatever you're doing. If you're having problems, um, you know, can't figure something out, give it to him. Yeah. You know, if you don't know what direction to take, give it to him. Mm-hmm. If you feel stuck or in limbo, give it to him. Ask for his guidance and see where it takes you.
1: Best business partner ever. Oh,
0: couldn't agree more. <laughs> Except for you, like you, you, you are my partner in life. You're my partner on Hope Radio podcast. So I, I like, I like being able to touch you. Well, not that way, but like you know what I mean. Like the physicality. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gave me a weird look now I'm embarrassed. But anyway, we're
1: sitting across from a table. So
0: I know, you know what I mean? Though, yeah. You know, yeah. but, uh, so how would people connect with us if they want to connect with us on, uh, on social media?
1: Well, they're going to on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. We're on hope radio podcast. Yes. You can reach, reach us there. And then wherever you're listening to your podcast, we're yes,
0: there. Yes, absolutely. And I, I would I would encourage you, if you're listening, share this. Share yeah. this with somebody. If it, if, it, if it was a message that spoke to you, it may speak to somebody else in your life. Mm-hmm. Send them a text. Share it. Share the Hope Radio podcast. And we're also looking for, we're looking for reviews. We're looking for reviews yes, and testimonies. So if you have an iPhone and you go into the podcast, you want to leave us a review or a testimony, we would greatly appreciate it. That's how we rise up on the ranks of you know, the Apple podcast realm. So um, give us a like, give us a review, five stars, yeses. Yes. We would be greatly, greatly appreciative and we would be hope-filled yes. seeing your message.
1: Please and thank you. Please and thank you. <laughs> Those are the magic words.
0: I, I had so much fun today, Jen. I think that we should do it again. Okay. Let's do another one. Tomorrow. Let's do another podcast tomorrow. I'll be here. Really? Yeah. I'll join you. <laughs> Here's a preview of our next episode, Hope Radio Podcast, episode number 75.
2: In middle school, it was purely anorexia, and it wasn't until high school where suddenly I found myself purging. And I I say it like that because it almost wasn't, it wasn't intentional. It's not like I planned it. It, It's, I believe, now looking back, that it was accumulative of restricting myself for several years. It's like my body was like at a breaking point. It was like, we we can't keep doing this. So somehow, like it was starving inside. So it was like somehow it was going to try to get me to to eat more. But then the second I would eat more, I'd feel guilty about it and um, get rid of it.